What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Never Made Varsity, the YouTube prank channel. My name is Colby. You can find me on Twitter at Colby Complains. What's up, everybody? It's David. It's just a prank, bro. Rivero. And you can <laughs> find me on Twitter at DRivero1222. Yeah. I like that one. It's me. It's Maverick. It's just me. And you can find me on Twitter at heartbreak underscore underscore kid. It's not just you. It's your boy. <laughs> your boy. I also thought that one was really funny. Um. As y'all can tell, I kind of lost my voice real bad yesterday, and I'm <laughs> coughing up a lung today in recovery, so I'm going to try and keep my talking to a minimum, but I am Aaron, and Great you can for find me on Twitter at Aaron P. Friedman. <laughs> hey, man, I made it through pneumonia. You can make it through a lost voice. <laughs> you put it all on the line for the pod. <laughs> my favorite podcast my life has is minimal just that talking. Hard. What can I say? <laughs> Uh, how are the rest of you doing besides Aaron who can't talk? David, how's it going? Um, uh, I mean, pretty, pretty good. I mean, uh, Panthers didn't win, but we'll talk more about that. But overall, pretty solid sports weekend. My fantasy team's not looking so hot, but it's all good. Um, uh, I'll survive. Uh, yeah. Pretty good. Maverick, how's it going down in Asheville? I woke up like a spring chicken this morning. <laughs> I actually I was not tired at all when I woke up this morning. I wasn't either. Yo, I didn't get back to the hotel about one thirty, and like we went to sleep like about two o'clock. So, how did you just, get back to your hotel later than sorry, I got back to? Wait, wait, sorry. I meant to say that's when I that's when I went to sleep. I actually got back at like quarter to one. I was going to say if you got back at one thirty, you got back to your hotel later than back. Then I got back from the game. No, it was about 12.30, 12.45. Shall we talk about the game since three of us were there? Mm-hmm. We played a game, game? yesterday. <laughs> I was there so, in spirit. The University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill defeated Miami 28-25 to 25 yesterday as we were recording. Another fourth quarter comeback win for the Heels. I'll make it two in as many weeks. Uh, David, what did you see on TV? Um, first off, from t- I, I tried, you know, obviously the service in Keenan is not, you know, ideal. I mean, in any sports it's arena, it's you know, yeah. in any sports arena, it can, it's pretty wonky. Um, but I didn't know if you could tell on when you were there, but they were jumping off sides, especially at the beginning of the game, a couple of times. And the first time, like there were a few, there were a few times. And then the first couple of times they didn't call it, but eventually they started calling it. But I was wondering if that came through at Keenan. Cause I was like, that's egregious from where I'm sitting. Like I saw that from my couch. Um, man, uh, well, it was the one in the first little drive there where it was not only where it looked like they were offside, but there was like a potential PI. And so people definitely did get upset about that. There was From, the targeting was really early in the game. There was, yeah. yeah. And man, like I don't know if that's what you're talking about, but that was a blatant targeting. Yeah, and he missed the hit too. So, from my from my perspective, I'm going to talk from an offensive perspective first. But like Sam Howell is doing things that there are other like upperclassmen quarterbacks don't do. Like he goes through his progressions really well. He looks off DBs. Like on that last touchdown um, to Daz Newsome, 
I mean, he looked towards the middle of the end zone knowing he was going to throw to Daz in the right corner. It, it, it was beautiful. Um, from the defensive perspective, um, I mean, we were moving quick to the ball really, really early. Uh, but you could tell that they were getting really gassed towards the end of the they, – like around the mid to end of the third quarter. Um, so to be able to survive that long and, and win – with the discrepancy in the time of possession is really, really speaks to how well uh, coached this team is. But uh, yeah, I won't, I won't spoil the, I won't, I won't hog the whole segment. Go so. No, like Sam Howell has been something ridiculous. Like in the fourth quarter, when behind he is eight of eight for a bunch of yards. I don't remember off the top of my head, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Perfect passer rating. losing in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And along the lines of making decisions that you wouldn't expect a true freshman quarterback to be making, something right out the gate last week that I noticed that impressed me is that he's willing to take sacks as opposed to making an ill-advised throw under pressure to try and get the ball out. And I know personally I would rather take a sack every time than a risky throw as you're getting hit. Because that's how you get those momentum swinging interceptions or a fumble. Agreed. And he, something that they mentioned on TV that I thought was a really good point was that not a lot of quarterbacks, um, not I won't say not a lot of quarterbacks. There are a number of quarterbacks who who don't do this, um, and that's when you see that the defense has jumped off sides. And have the presence of mind to uh, presence of mind to know that you have a free play and taking those shots downfield, like the one that Bo Corrales almost yeah. had at the end of the game, was a free play that it should have been caught. But oh, Sam Howell yeah, had the presence couple, of mind. He had the presence of mind there were to a couple of those free plays, right? To t- to take a shot down the field, knowing that he had the five yard penalty incoming, which is a really good awareness. Like he's a smart kid. Like he he knows yeah. was there, what's was happening. Was that the one where we? Was that the one where we also got the PI in the end zone, or was that a different play? I think that was a different one. There was one where we had a free play and got a PI in the end zone. That's the one when Antoine Green went down. Yes. I think, I'm think i really impressed with that as well. I noticed that every time we have a free play, he's going right for the end zone because he knows the worst that happens is nothing. Yeah, the worst that happens is offsetting penalties, which yeah. exactly. happened. But, yeah, he played really well. Uh, Javante Williams ran the ball super well, especially in the second half. I think that when we really needed some of those time-wasting runs, he really came in clutch and being able to move to chains or get us in a position where we could move to chains easily late in the game, which was very valuable coming down to the end. Uh, Maverick, what was your experience at the game? Well, I had my seats. I was above the band, so I had a really nice view, but I was still technically in the lower bowl. Uh, and it gave a really nice bird-eye view for everything, sort of. Now, um, but I just could not help but just soak in the atmosphere as a whole. Like when Because I, I went through all the Tar Heel Town, Die Hall, Wilson Hall performance, and then walked into the stadium. So by that time, most of the gate, the gate had been open for a good bit, and so people were already in the stadium. And then when I walked through uh, towards the actual seating area and saw how many students were in the seats already, oh, it just brought so much joy to me to my heart. Like, and then I could just see how already it was 
more filled than what entire games would be like in the past years. So I, that was something that I really just tried to soak in is just the environment as a whole because I don't recall an environment that was more electric than that night. Like, and we had some pretty big games yeah. during the 11-1 and season. Yeah, I agree with you. Mr. Fuchs said after rehearsal on Thursday when we were talking, this is the first time he thought probably ever in his 22 years at Carolina that 22 years as the head band director at Carolina that going into a football game, it felt like the energy of a Duke Week basketball game. I think you hit wow. the nail on the head with that one. That's really high praise. I never thought of it like that. Because there was that energy the whole week leading up to that game. And the team it delivered. It was rocking. The fans delivered. That, well, that, was, was, that was what I was going to ask you. unforgettable night in Keenan. Because from what I saw on Twitter and from what I saw on TV, like I know that Max said, hey, get to your seats 30 minutes before kickoff. From what I could tell from Twitter, they were like, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty full 30 minutes before. Yeah, the student, student section was full. Student section was packed. It was um, full before sundown, I saw, because the yeah. tickets go to standby at kickoff. Right. So um, people were in their seats um, watching. So I'm assuming that was really good for pregame, right, Aaron? Like having yeah, pregame was, a pretty was big, awesome. Yeah, having a really big crowd for pregame is really cool. Um, and then as the game went on, I was like, I was afraid of, oh, there's going to be a ton of Miami fans. And uh, I was actually really happily surprised. I don't know if it was the same for y'all, but from what I could tell, there's a it was like ninety five, not like ninety two to ninety five percent heels. I, like there really. was a good amount of Miami fans just because they travel well. But they like, do. I was I too was surprised at how many Carolina people were in there. Well, because we've been to games before where sometimes it's like kind of iffy, and like sometimes it almost looks like the opposing fans have more of a presence than our fans, whether, whether that be vocally or, you know, usually not physically, but a lot of times vocally they're more present. But I, that, I was happy that that was not the case. Just one thing to mention about Miami, a lot was said about them worrying about their quarterback, Jaron Williams, going into the game. He played so well. Like, he was oh, yeah. 30 of 39. Like, he was delivering the ball. And I can see why he won their quarterback race um, in this game. And they might have a pretty good quarterback over there in Coral Gables. Yeah, he was wheeling and dealing. I mean, like, those little slant routes were pissing me off. But he was throwing, like, bullets. I was like, God dang it. Can this guy just miss? Or can these receivers <laughs> just not catch the ball for once? Good Lord. I didn't realize during the game, but my dad told me to, on TV, the commentators um, said he hit 10 passes in a row at some point in the third yeah. quarter. He was dealing. Wheeling and dealing. And it dealing. felt like it. So let's get into some of the flow of the game. We jumped on them early, and I think that's a good way to start that type of game when you have the crowd behind you. I think getting that early lead really helps, and it Looks like we ended up needing it at the end of the game. Um, they came back a little bit, but that burst of energy in the first quarter really helped. But we can't only score three points half the game and expect to win down the line. 
Uh, Maverick, what do you think about how the game went as far as how our play was? I mean, we of course, we definitely started out hot. We got up to 17-3 to by the end of the first quarter. It was an hour-long first quarter. Mm-hmm. Like, I did not know when it was going to end, and I thought we were definitely going to have a late game once we got towards that. But then the second period, Miami definitely sort of became more calm and collected. They ended up coming back. It was 17-13 at halftime, and it did seem like in a lot of ways Miami was just slowly, slowly chipping away at us during the third quarter. Ultimately, do take the lead briefly as we get into the fourth. And then, I mean, it's just, again, another fourth quarter heroics on the part of the offense and defense. And I think there are plenty of times where the game could have been put away because we got three fumbles on them, and they managed to recover every single one of them. And we had several potential picks throughout as well on the defensive side, but then offense still, um, again, just it's just another feather in Sam Howell's cap that he literally just put on six months ago when he was literally in a high school classroom, and now he is a Power Five quarterback that is two and zero and done very yeah. good job of it. I think it's a testament to how well disciplined our team has become that we didn't have any turnovers yesterday and we only had one penalty the entire game. Yeah, five yards of penalties. Like, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. One of the few things we that, wanted because everything else, I mean, we lost the, the running battle. We lost the passing uh, total. Uh, I mean, penalty is one of the few things. I mean, with the time of the possession, with what little time we did have on the field, that the the worry then became, all right, we're it's really going to start testing the defense now because they are on the field so much. But then give a lot of credit to Brian Hess to, or uh, to getting or not Hess, but Coach Hess for being able to keep them conditioned throughout the preseason. Because I didn't really see too much where they just or I looked absolutely gassed. They still were very energetic even in the fourth quarter. If anything, Miami's defense looked gassed, um, yeah. especially in that last drive. Speaking of uh, that last drive, fourth and seventeen. Yo, I so I, I take <laughs> I'm taking it from Kobe because I, I'm in agreement with him. Like I feel like this season more than other seasons when we beat other teams, it's like we break their entire fan base. It's the most hilarious thing <laughs> that I've ever seen. Like with it's happened twice now with with South Carolina and with uh, and with Miami. Like you beat them. And they just go nuts, and it's hilarious. And <laughs> that fourth and seventeen, first of all, there there were a couple people that thought that we fumbled, which I didn't see that on TV. Um, I didn't. They they say that Sam Howell fumbled the ball and they recovered it, and which is what they re- they reviewed that on the field, right? Yeah, they reviewed it, and he was down by contact. Right. There is a very strong contingency that we're cl- clearly unbiased. That uh, felt otherwise. Um, but other than that, um, fourth like and seventeen, and and yeah, fourth and seventeen, and then they were just ripping apart one of their um, their DBs for getting beat. It was the one whoever the the DB was that got beat by Diami in the first quarter. Whichever one that was, they were just yeah. ripping him apart. 
I mean, one of the things that happened with their DBs is one of them got ejected for targeting very early in the game. That's true. So that put a lot of stress on the rest of their um, defensive backfield to step up. That being said, one, they probably, I mean, that dude who got beat just got beat on that fourth and 17. And Sam Howell threw a very, very good ball to get it to him three yards past the sticks. And I'm trying to think of the things that bothered me. I know in the third quarter there was some play calling stuff that rubbed me the wrong way. But everything I heard from Ole Miss fans about Phil Longo is that he is – there are only 30 plays in the playbook and just that every play has a lot of variations to it, which means that teams figured out the defense very quickly or figure out the offense very quickly. Right. I have seen at least things that resemble creativity, so I'm not worried about that yet, but that's something I'm going to keep my eye on as the season moves on. That is something that I felt as Miami started to chip away at us and our offense stalled in the second and third quarter. It did feel like they had just figured us out, but there were... Obviously, in the fourth quarter, Sam just took over, but there were also plays like the double pass play where we were seeing creativity that we've never seen in the past seven years of this program. Yeah. And we could have scored on that reverse had Sam not blocked. Yes. Sam, Sam missed his block, and Michael Carter was going to be gone if he missed that. And <laughs> screens are finally working. They were in the works for seven years, but they're finally perfected. So let's have this conversation. Should we be ranked? Rank us, you cowards. I think if we, we – well, personally, I think we should be in the top 25. So, yes. But I understand why we're not. However, I, I mean I don't know how you argue against the resume. Like at some point – I saw this on Twitter. At some point you have to weigh out preseason expectation with results and – as many people have said, there are three teams that have two wins over Power 5 schools in the past two weeks. And that is Clemson, UNC, and Hawaii. They're Rainbow Warriors. <laughs> there are three. On top of the Pac-12 right now. But, <laughs> I mean... Like, I'm not going to say that, like, South Carolina and Miami are, like, the world beaters and we beat whatever, but, like... Miami hung in there with Florida, who's a top 10 team. South Carolina is in that vaunted SEC. So, like, I don't I don't understand what else they want from us. But if we do our jobs, go out there and do well against Wake, there's no reason that we shouldn't be ranked. And South Carolina, who did, they put 72 on Charleston Southern. Not like Charleston Southern is, like, a great team during the FCS, but, like, if you're a scrubby team, you don't put up 72 points on anybody. Right. So, like, w- we need to, like you said, start weighing expectations with results. I think if Carolina wins against Wake Forest, who is 2-0 right now but hasn't really they played nobody, Paul, <laughs> if, they, if Carolina comes out here and beats Wake Forest, I think think they'll sneak into the top 25 and if they beat app the next week i think game day's coming to chapel hill and we I was about to say that, that i was about to say that yeah because i mean 
as it was very clear to me when they were in Austin for LSU in Texas, there is a lot of love for Mac Brown. Um, I mean, they mentioned him several times in the broadcast, you know, bringing up the game predictions and such. I mean, it would be a good story if we end up being a ranked team come the Clemson game. I mean, you have the number one team, the defending national champions, versus you know someone that is very beloved to the ESPN team because of his days as an analyst. It could be a really nice, cool story to do it. But perhaps it's a little self-service. I don't, I'm totally fine with not being ranked at the current moment. I think, like I said, that we're getting confidence, but we are. It's, I think it's just slaves of the moment a little bit because uh, there's so, still a lot of season left. We've, we've, we've won some really close games, and we've shown a lot of potential going forward. But I, I, I do understand why they're not making us ranked at the current moment, but I, I like where we are. As so of right. looking at the schedule for week five, the other games between two currently ranked teams, you have Penn State, Maryland. Mm. You have Washington State, Utah. No. You have USC, Washington. Virginia, Notre Dame. And that's it. I can see them doing... Uh, Penn State and Maryland. I can see that. Uh, it's at Maryland, though. And I mm. do think that makes a difference. Well, you yeah. don't like college, you don't like College Park? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's not no Park. state college. I, um, I don't know. We'll see. Right now, Wake Forest is favored to win by um, – they are favored by three and a half in Vegas – so, easy that, money. That's expected. we have them right where we want them. That is home field advantage. So it's um, I don't know. We'll see. I'll be there. So I'm excited. I will also most likely be there. It's on a Friday, which is weird to me. But and it's a non-conference game. I know why it's a non-conference game. It's still weird. Um, but I'll accept that because we need to play Wake more often. And that's why, because we can only have a certain amount of conference games and a certain amount of non-conference games. And the way that they could swing the whole conference, non-conference thing is by making Wake, quote-unquote, a non-conference. Right. So that should be fun. We don't get to play them often. I think we've only played them once while I was, um, while I was in school. So yep. it'll be a good time. Let's look elsewhere around the country. Tennessee is a dumpster fire. Y'all, I, I think they went from like 70% likely to be bowl eligible to like 8. 8%. We had the biggest jump to like 85. They went all the way down to 8. <laughs> Do you want to go back and talk about bowl eligibility for a second? Yes, I would love to. So, I can see wins... Like, I feel confident about wins. I'll put it that way. At home against Mercer. Mm-hmm. And on the road at Georgia Tech, which would put us at four. I'm also feeling a little bit better about App State. Since they won last week, but they also let UNC Charlotte put 40 on them. Right. Yeah. And I also think that... I think Wake is winnable. Wake is winnable, Virginia's winnable, 
Pitt mm. is winnable. You don't think Virginia's winnable? I in Chapel Virginia's Hill. good. It is in Chapel Hill, but Virginia's good. So is Miami. Are they? Are they? Is I, th- Miami I think they are. I think they are. I think they're better than what their record is right now. Because their first game's against Florida and their second game's against... I mean, they're 2-0, and but I feel like they're better than their record actually shows. I think that's true. I think they are better than winless, but I also think that Virginia's better than Miami. They are. I won't deny that. I'm just and saying, I, I, say we, I think we have the talent and the coaching to be able to compete at a high level, which would include a Virginia. I'm not saying we're going to go out and slap them and win, but I think we can still be competitive and potentially pull out, you know, puncher's chance is what I'm saying. I feel like we have a puncher's chance with any team we play this year, except maybe Clemson. Fair. I also think that it's very realistic to expect splitting Duke and State. I think that's fine. I think that's realistic. I think that so is that as well. Gives, <laughs> that gives you seven and a half plus or minus one and a half. Yeah, that'll do it. And listen, I mean, listen I, I we're thirty-three percent of the way there, and we're two games into the season. I said at the beginning, before we knew any of this would happen, that if if we had bowl eligibility, I would consider this a success. This season a success. After we went in South Carolina, I said, okay, bowl eligibility and a bowl win would be like, uh, just amazing. Like I would feel really good about the season if we qualified and i feel like i still hold that like if we can get to a, if we qualify for a bowl and we and we um and we can win it i feel like this that's probably the the most we could have done with what we had this season fair and anything i feel like else? that's not unreasonable with unc i just thought of that when thinking about t- when you brought up the the poll the bowl eligibility for tennessee but uh Tennessee just they're bad. They're they're a bad football team. I don't know if there's anything else he can say, but they are really bad, and I feel horrible for whatever SEC team's gonna lose to them. Because someone will. And they're gonna get all every single joke. Who knows who it'll be? Hopefully it's South Carolina. That would be really funny. That would be really funny. Uh, did you get to ch- uh, chance to watch any of the FSU game? I did not. Um, I was watching the UNC game as it was ending. Gotcha. Because it was ending, uh, the re- they had to switch it. They had to switch the UNC game to ESPN News because on the ACC network, uh, the FSU game was running long. All I know is that ULM was giving them way, 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 way too much of a fight <laughs> to be comfortable. <laughs> Eventually, um, they ended up winning, but it was on a botched uh, extra point after a touchdown in overtime, I might add. It might have been double overtime. Not sure. But yeah, and I. Then, uh, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that Invent uh, Army gave. Uh, Michigan fits up in Ann Arbor. I got to watch a little bit of that game, which the thing with army is that triple option is not easy to plan for. If you don't see it often, 
So I I I get struggling with it. I think I, I the thing about Michigan is that because of the bravado of Harbaugh on top of the like the way that analysts treat them every year, like, oh, this team is going to go places, this is the year for them, and then they always mm-hmm. get slapped by Ohio State, and they never do anything, re- like, of any worth in the so, postseason. Do you think if they don't win nine games, they think about firing Harbaugh? Because that would be three really disappointing seasons in a row. If they don't win nine games and they get butchered by Ohio State, which I think they will, uh, I, I his seat could get potentially just a little warm. I don't think they'd fire him after this season, but you could make the argument that I that next season would be like, all right, it's 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 time. Yeah, you need to produce something. I think that eight if like the only way that that seat is still like. Like it's still relatively cool with less than nine wins is if he also beats Michigan State and Ohio State, both of them. But I don't know. Uh, that Mi- Michigan's weird, and no one quite knows how to treat them. So, well, Ohio State treats them a certain kind of way. <laughs> Does not treat them gently. <laughs> and then. Um, Let's see. Did one of y'all add Jake Bentley out for the season? I did not. Yeah, I, I added that. I saw it on ESPN. It was just published about 20 minutes ago. Yeah, South Carolina quarterbacks Jake Bentley out for the season. And We've South Carolina <laughs> South Carolina fans rejoice because, man, oh, man, they were destroying him on Reddit after they lost us. So feel bad for the guy, though. That stinks. Did, I don't. Seems I don't. Like a good kid. I don't think they ever. Did they ever say how he broke it, or like how he got injured? I don't. I don't remember because it wasn't in our game. I don't hmm. think they ever specified how. Like what happened? I don't know. But shall we move on to big boy football? Let's do it. I don't know if y'all want to, but. Oh, I do because the Titans are making me look real smart, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> and I, I don't have as negative a take as you might expect. Oh, I don't either. But uh, yeah, let's talk about the Titans and Browns first because that game made me happy. <laughs> so, first game. Was- I did not watch that game. I heard it was canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did not get a chance to watch it, but I did follow it. Like on social media as I was traveling back home and when I did get back home briefly. So I wasn't too much into it, but I was just following. But it looks like the Titans had a pretty good game overall in a, on a, in a away game in the land. Uh, I guess they're called the City of Champions by some, but I don't know about that. Um, so overall, I mean, Marcus Murray had a very strong game, but I think really the player of the game easily goes to Derrick Henry on this one. Uh, he had 84 yards, but uh, there was a 72-yard of that being a one-touchdown run. Uh, he had the one touchdown. Marcus Mariotti had, was 14 of 24, 248 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Derrick Henry actually caught the pass for his touchdown. He also threw to Delaney Walker twice. I mean, defense looked good as well. Malcolm Butler got a pick six. And then Kevin Byard also got a interception. So 
It was a really complete game. You know, ultimately the score is 43 to 13. Couldn't be more excited. No hard feelings, uh, Aaron at all. It's just strictly business, and it's a good way to start the season. I'm not, I'm trying to be very tempered because I know this team often our our weakness is just a lack of consistency. So I mean, it was a nice game. It's our highest point uh, total since 2016 against the Packers. So we have not put up numbers like this in a long time, but hopefully that means good things going forward. I mean, Marcus Mariota put up three touchdowns, uh, 14 to 24, 133.3 passer rating. That's a good game. That is. The whole thing is when he is healthy, he is a starting quarterback. There's not, there's no denying of it. It's just the whole thing with his injuries have always kept him from reaching his full potential. So if we can keep him safe, then we're hopefully he will start having more outputs like this. Cause if he plays like this, we're going to win a lot of games. Uh, what is your perspective from the Cleveland side, Aaron? <laughs> I was at Faki, so I didn't watch the game. But from all I've heard, that was a good thing. Uh, we played like buns today. And I think that we just need to use that to temper our expectations a little, get realistic, realize this isn't going to be all sunshines and rainbows, and we got to work for it. Um, obviously, feel, no one's freaking out yet. People say we no, suck, but that's clean no, for you. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I don't think anyone needs to jump on that far. Like, I think the hype train was just a little bit too fast. It's still like the like they're still growing. It's still a young team. Lots of chemistry that needs to happen. Like it's they're not done. It's not like they're gonna not win all season. They are obviously a lot more talented than in years past. They just got to get it going. Um, the and road to fifteen and one starts in seven days. <laughs> so they have the talent there. They just got to put it all together. Let's talk about the other one of our teams. The other, the, the Carolina Panthers. Okay, Ooh. I think we're closer to an opinion than most would think. Like I've. I did not expect to win this game. So Panthers played the Rams today. They lost what twenty three to twenty. Is that the final? Oh, uh, it was thirty to twenty seven. I think thirty twenty seven. I knew it was a three point game. There it is. Uh, I did not expect to win this game. What frustrates me is the things that were bad and the things that kept us from winning felt like the same stuff that kept us from winning last year. A lot of it felt like game management on the part of. Uh, Ron Rivera, which is frustrating to say the least. And to be fair, there, we we caught some bad breaks as far as balls not bouncing our way, fumbles that should have been recovered by us that didn't. Um, ended up special teams came through getting a block punt um, that resulted in a touchdown to keep us in the game. I'm okay. The NFC reigning NFC champions. Super Bowl, um, you know, almost won it last year. Um, I'm okay. Wish we could have done better. The game was winnable. But, like you said, we both expected to lose this game. It's I just, it's just frustrating knowing that it was within our grasp. Um, the defense looked, I felt, pretty good. Um, wish we could have got more pressure up front on Jared Goff. 
but I mm-hmm. feel like that'll come together. Um, they do have a really, really, really good O line. So I mean, it's not, we got pressure on him. Not as many sacks. I don't. Did we get? We got one or two sacks, but I think wh- one of those was James Bradbury. Um, so I mean, it's what they. Yeah, we got one sack. What was frustrating is that their really good offensive line uh, showed up in the run game in the second half, where <laughs> they were just like gigantic holes the entire second half that Todd Gurley was just skipping through. Yep. So, so frustrating, but not the end of the world. Um, the thing that scares me the more than anything is that, and you could tell me if I'm being a little bit too like tinfoil hat e. Like Cam, he's rusty. I'm not like getting on him for not being at 100 percent as far as like game uh, game time ready because he missed time last year. He's recovered from the shoulder, but he still looked a little bit limited. And Ron Rivera and him both said after the game that there was no limitations on Cam um, as far as, like, throwing. But it felt like there was. We didn't really take any deep shots. Yeah, the play calling does not align with that statement. It did not at all. Which there might not be, and they just happened to not call any deep balls. But that is not, I don't know. When you have the speed that we have, it's it's questionable. Aaron, come get your brother. What's what stupid what stuff is do? he saying now? <laughs> he just tweeted uh, at me: Patriots lost by three touchdowns against the Titans Week One last year. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, congratulations, Andrew. You're on the podcast. I'm not going to respond to you on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Big, biggest uh, biggest M Night Shyamalan twist is that Aaron is the reasonable sibling. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the Panthers have the Buccaneers on Thursday. I am reasonably confident about that. Jameis looked bad today uh, up against the Niners, so hopefully we can expose some of that for our gain. That game is in Tampa Bay? Question mark. I believe so. Uh, no, it's in Charlotte. Oh, it is. Okay, so it's at home. So I am feeling pretty good about it. I'd like to get us a five hundred. But speaking of Jameis, since probably all year we're going to be comparing Jameis to Marcus Mariota, he was twenty of thirty six today. Uh, one touchdown, three interceptions. I think all those were pick sixes. Yeah, it wasn't good. So we'll keep an eye on that as the weeks go by. Right now, uh, another story that we are going to be watching, Kyler Murray in Arizona has led a fourth quarter comeback. As we're recording, the game is not over yet. Um, is in overtime, and Zane Gonzalez is about to kick a very short field goal that I'm assuming is going to go in. It did indeed um, go in. And it did indeed go in. So that's where we're sitting with Arizona right now. And I don't know. What else is happening in the NFL this week? Oh, do you know what I didn't even put in the rundown? What? Antonio Brown. Oh, I was wondering. I was like, are we going to talk about this? 
I legit forgot. <laughs> the saga that is Antonio Brown. Like a light fading fast. It came and went. <laughs> Who wants to give the summary of everything that's happened? Oh, God. You know, let's let Maverick do it. <laughs> so, I mean, all preseason long, I mean, Antonio Brown was traded to the Raiders uh, after his tumultuous split from Pittsburgh. Then he talks about that he's threatening to retire because he can't get his helmet. He files like three different grievances. They all get denied. And then <laughs> and we get like really to this week and stuff um, where there were a lot of implications that he was not going to play week one. Uh, he was filed, he posted a picture that he was being fined for missing all the practices because of his grievance with the helmet that he wouldn't practice because of it. And so people are like, is he going to play now? Then they come out that he's actually going to play. And then he gets even more upset about other fines. And then we get the news breaks that he actually has a verbal altercation with Mike Mayock, who is their GM. Uh, there is uh, <laughs> uh, there's rumors that a certain word was used to describe Mike Mayock. Um, uh, <laughs> yep. There's a restaurant a named after the word he called him. I was okay. going to say, he said that Mayak was staying at the Ritz. You, 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 the you Ritz. can get it in Saltine or, or Club. Um, and then, but even despite that, they even said he was still going to play. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> so, and then, and then we, uh, like this was might be Friday night or Saturday morning. Like we get word like he has posted a YouTube video in which he recorded a conversation with John Gruden over this whole debacle where John Green's like, Hey man, can't you just shut up and play football, man? And he's like, I'm trying to play football. You're all the ones holding me back and whatnot, all this stuff. No, the the verbiage and, of that end of that video was ain't no more games. And then it's yeah, and no then it games. cut and then it fades into black like a freaking indie movie. Like <laughs> so, so I mean I, Hard Knocks literally has missed some just some golden content. Did you hear so, that uh did you hear that Antonio Brown's film got a standing ovation at the Venice Film Festival? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's probably gonna win an award at TIFF this week. <laughs> so, then that comes out, and then the next morning, this is probably Saturday morning, that's correct, where he posts an Instagram post specifically saying for the Raiders to release me, um, quote unquote. And so that is honored. I wouldn't say about 10, like somewhere between 10 a.m. and noon. It was about noon. Cause it was about the time I got into Chapel Hill for the game that the alert came through and then not full. And then oh, I'm going to press it by saying this went to the group. I told everybody, we know exactly where he's going. He's going to the Pats. <laughs> it has a reclamation project. And not four hours later, <laughs> we get word that he is in agreement to go to the New England Patriots. And so. Which is hilarious because, like, it's a joke. Like, it's not supposed to be. He's not supposed to actually go to the Patriots. Like, we all just say it because it's a joke. <laughs> and, then <it laughs> and, then, and then it happens. So here I am at He's Not working on my second blue cup. <laughs> when this news comes in and I just like start dying laughing and me and my friend that I made it, he's not 
just start going in on everything. It's just... Oh. <laughs> so I, I guess the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> from what so from what I read, it's a one-year, $15 million deal, $9 million guaranteed. Yeah, $9 million signing bonus. Yes. That's insane. Yeah, it's nuts. I don't know what else to say. Like, what? <laughs> I, and then, and then he went to the team. He was one like one days before. If this happened one day early, he would have been eligible to play tonight. Which I believe he'll be at least with the team, but playing against his first team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep. And it was Adam Sheffer, I think, when he tweeted, he's like. It took the NFL 100 years to create a storyline as, as enthralling as this. <laughs> Just, I can't wait for this 30 for 30. <laughs> I can't wait for like 15, 20 years down the line where my kids ask me who Antonio Brown was. <laughs> oh, my. That's going to be great. I don't know. Is there anything else to say? Aaron, do you have anything? <laughs> I no, I honestly don't ha- have anything at all to say about it. Like I feel like the situation says it all in itself. And so, so weird. And so the American experiment begins. <laughs> <laughs> Antonio Brown in the Patriots uniform. Man. All right. Well. That's all I have to say about the things. I don't know what else to to do in this here podcast, so I think we'll just end on this very exciting note that uh, football's weird. Football, but do last thing before we go is NFL football as dramatic now as NBA basketball? No, it's trying though. It is trying very hard. But you're never going to tell me players that have it at peak drama levels, but the average drama level is lower in the NFL. Yeah, there's I feel like there's 32 teams worth of drama (laughs) in the NBA. It's like the NBA is like season one of Westworld and the NFL is season two of Westworld. Whereas just like season two, you get like those really, really, really high peaks and you're like, this is awesome. But like the NBA is just like consistently getting that good, that good Real Housewives drama. Also, Aaron, I beat you in fantasy. Wee! <laughs> Bet. Bet. <laughs> week one. Week one. <laughs> And on that note, if you want to find us, you can do that at tinyurl.com slash nevermadevarsity. Leave us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. Anything you liked or didn't like, be sure to let us know via Twitter at nevermadepod. Thank you to Jake Cochran for our intro music and David Cutter for our outro music. And we will see y'all next week. Deuces. Go Heels. Go Heels. Go America.